St. John, the 20th chapter, and don't worry, I'm not going to read all of the verses that I read earlier. I think verse number 26 ought to suffice for a starting point of our message here today. You will find recorded in that 26th verse, listen what it says, and after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Don't miss it. Eight days again, eight days later, his disciples were still in the house. They were still shut in. But this time, Thomas was with them. And then Jesus shows up. The doors, understand, were still shut. He didn't open up the door. <laughs> he just showed up. Oh, the Holy Ghost said he can ready to show up. Hallelujah. He can ready to show up. He's not going to come through your window. He ain't coming through your door. He's just going to show up. Let me move on. And he stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Jesus came, the doors being shut. Eight days later, they're still in the house. I want to talk to you all for just for a few moments, or as the spirit leads from this subject matter, get out of the house. Uh-oh, get out of the house. Now, don't nobody get up and don't sign off and take off now. And say, the pastor said, I got to go. He said, get up right now and go. No, that's not for right now. Wait for the whole duration of the message and then you'll understand the concept of what I'm telling you today when I tell you to get out of the house. Well, let me start off by saying that it's been one week since Easter. We celebrated Easter on last Sunday. It's one week since Easter, one week since the chaos and excitement, one week since the empty tomb, one week since our first hallelujah, Christ is risen. It is one week after the resurrection and the disciples are in the same place that they were on Easter night. They are in the same room behind the same locked doors. So if the resurrection is such a big deal, such a life-changing event, why are they still stuck in the same place? What difference has the empty tomb made? How has it changed them? Has it let them see themselves and the world differently? Has it done anything for them? It does not look as if it's made much difference. They are in the same house behind the same locked doors as a week ago. So the question must be asked, what has changed? And I wonder one week after Easter, what has 
Christ's resurrection done for us? Is your life different? Do you see and engage the world in new ways? What difference has the empty tomb made in your life over the last week? When I look at my life, it looks a whole, can I be transparent? Like it did last Sunday, (laughs) the week before and the week before that. And when I look at the world, it looks pretty much the same as uh, before. But you know, I used to, I used to read and I hear this particular text, St. John 20, 19 through 31. And I used to be critical of the disciples. They are stuck in the same place. They should have done better than that. After all, death has been defeated. Christ is risen. Why aren't their lives different? Why is there no difference in life? Why isn't life different after Easter? Why are some still stuck in the same place? Why? We should be doing better than that. We should be living the resurrection better, more powerful, more authentic than what we are. After all, after all you do know the Lord is risen. Can, I, can, can we come to that agreement? And can we all shout hallelujah? The Lord is risen. But you know, after studying this text and going through it, after studying our text, I've come to the conclusion of what it is that this text is telling us today. For I believe that today's text is telling us several things. First of all, it's telling us that Christ's resurrection is a big deal. I don't want you to miss it. It's telling us that Christ's resurrection is a big deal. And then it's telling us that the empty tomb is a life-changing event. Then I believe it's telling us that the resurrection does make a difference in our lives and that it also takes time. Can I tell somebody some good news? Resurrection takes time. You need to understand that it is not a one-time event. I believe it is something that we grow into. You have to understand that it's a process. It is a way of being and a way of life to be lived. Because by the grace of God, we we evolve into resurrected people through our relationships and the circumstances of our lives. I mean, y'all know God wastes nothing. I'm going to tell you again, God wastes nothing. And every day we are stepping into the resurrected life. It is not always easy. And maybe some of you all would agree with me that there are some days that are just plain hard. And so I wonder if we sometimes I wonder if we sometimes celebrate Easter and uh, the empty tomb expecting to wake up on that Monday to a whole new life 
and world. Well, I'm guessing now that uh, you woke up on Monday after Resurrection Sunday to the same life and world you had on Good Friday. And please understand, please understand that it's not because the resurrection failed or because Jesus didn't do the Jesus thing in our lives. It's because the Jesus thing, it takes time. Somebody ought to write in the chat box, it takes time. I'm going to help somebody who may be feeling discouraged along the way and feel that you may not be progressing and, and advancing in God as quickly as you so desire. I come here to let somebody know that it takes time. Maybe we need to let go. Maybe we need to let go. And I need y'all to hear me here today. We need to let go of the fact of the empty tomb and start claiming the story of the resurrection. Oh, I don't want you to miss that. Maybe we need to let go of the fact of the empty tomb and start claiming the story of the resurrection. You all do know that there is a difference between facts and story. Uh, facts are one dimensional, while stories are multidimensional. Facts inform the mind. Stories touch the heart. Facts transmit information while stories uh, transform lives. Think about it like this. A fact is a static. It's like a snapshot of a particular moment in time. But a story is dynamic, like a movie that takes us across time. You see, the empty tomb is a fact. Well, let me put some scripture on it. When they got there, what did the angel say? He is not here. And so the empty tomb is a fact, but the resurrection is a story. You see, maybe we need to begin to understand the resurrection as the movie of our life instead of a snapshot of Christ's life. You see, the fact of the empty tomb is not the story of the resurrection. The facts of Jesus' life, they are not the story of Jesus. The facts of your life and my life, they are not the facts of our life. You see, the facts are just the starting point. Don't miss it. The facts are just the starting point for the story. The fact of the empty tomb is the starting point for the resurrection story. Whatever facts you woke up to on Easter Monday are simply the starting point for your story of resurrection. You see, too often we take the facts as the entire story. Isn't that what we have done with Thomas? That's exactly what we've done with Thomas. Notice what facts come to mind when you hear the name of Thomas. First thing to come to our mind, he was a doubter. And then we try to put scripture behind it. 
Because he did say, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, he declared, I will not believe. The fact that Thomas doubted may be the only fact that comes to mind. And it is so prevalent that we all call him Doubting Thomas. Hey, but what if, just what if, just what if, that fact, however, is just the starting point for Thomas's resurrection? Oh, y'all don't, y'all, 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 y'all don't miss it. What if just that one fact was the starting point for Thomas's uh, resurrection? What if it is not the whole story? What if where we start is less important than where we go and where we end? How many of y'all know we all got a starting point? Y'all ain't gonna help me. I said we all got a starting point. And we live in a day, we live in a time where people will never let you forget where you started. But I want y'all to know my start is not my finish. Oh God, my start is not where I am now. It's just the starting point. Because when you read this text, when you read this text, do you know the end of Thomas's story? Do you know where he died? Well, just in case you did not know, let me help you. He died in India. He was the apostle to the people of India. He brought the gospel of Christ to India. But guess what? He died a martyr. In other words, he died a victim after he was run through with five spears by five different soldiers. That don't sound like a doubter to me. Y'all ain't gonna help me here. (laughs) I said, that don't sound like a doubter to me. It sounds like someone who grew and changed. Someone for whom the resurrection of Christ was real. Someone for whom the empty tomb made a difference. It just took a little time as it does for all of us. Hey, please be patient with me. God is not, hallelujah. Is there anybody that say, be patient with me? God is not through with me yet. But when God gets through with me, I shall come forth and I'm going to come forth as a pure gold. And so, yes, my brothers and my sisters, I feel like preaching here. We... We know, doubting Thomas, but let's not forget about confessing Thomas. I'm going to say it again. We know about doubting Thomas. Let's not forget about confessing Thomas. Because when you read in the 28th verse, he says, my Lord and my God. And with those words, Thomas has recognized and named a new relationship, a new worldview, a new way of being. Somewhere between doubting Thomas 
and confessing Thomas is the story of resurrection of Thomas's life. And I want to know what is your story from here, from, from there to here? What is your resurrection? What is your resurrection story? And so all that we hear about doubting Thomas, the fact of his disbelief is just Thomas's starting place. It was just his starting place. Nothing more or nothing less. It is neither good nor bad. It was just a starting place. And I come here to let us know we all have a starting place. What is your starting place? What are the facts of your life today? The starting place for the story of our life or for our resurrection is whatever it is. Whatever your life is today, whatever your circumstances are, that is the starting point for your story of resurrection. So if you're dealing with deep loneliness, if you're dealing with sorrow today, if you're dealing with loss, please understand that's just your starting point. That is the room. That's the room where Jesus enters. And if you are locked in a house of fear, locked in a house of confusion, locked in a house of darkness, that's your starting point. And that's the place where Jesus stands. That's the place that Jesus enters without even opening the door. Is it illness? Is it old age? Is it a disability? or uncertainty. They are all facts of your life, but that's your starting point and the place in which Jesus will show up. How many of y'all know when he shows up, he always show out. If you feel lost today, if you feel betrayed or disappointed, you may feel overwhelmed this morning. That's just a starting point and the house that Jesus loves to enter into. Somebody said he won't come see me. Yes, he will. I need somebody to know he's going to show up. Because I told you last week, go back to Galilee. Go back to your house. Go back to your homes. Because Jesus, he wants to show up. And if joy, if joy and gratitude and celebration are the facts of your life today, that's still the starting point for your resurrection because eyes have not seen, nor have ears heard, neither have it appeared unto the hearts of men what good things God has in store for them that love him is just your starting, just your starting point. I don't know about you, but I'm glad here today because all those things I just described and a thousand others are the many ways the doors of our houses become locked. Hallelujah. That's how they become locked. But whatever it might be for you today is just a starting point. Don't matter if you got bars on your house. It don't matter if you got an alarm system. It don't matter if you lost the key to the front door. Jesus will show up. 
and he will show out. The great tragedy, and I'm almost finished, but the great tragedy is not that the disciples are in the same house behind the same locked doors. That's not the tragedy. That is just their starting point. But the great tragedy will be if the disciples refuse to unlock the doors, if they refuse to open the doors, and if they refuse to get out of the house, when Jesus shows up, when Jesus brings you your deliverance, when Jesus brings you joy, when Jesus brings you peace of mind, when Jesus brings you healing, unlock the door and get out of the house. Uh, what are the doors that are locked in your life? What are the doors today that's locked in your life? What are the things that have kept you stuck in the same place, stuck signing on every Sunday, yet you stuck hearing the word of God, yes, you still stuck. My God, what have you stuck? What causes your doors to be locked today? I will say it again. That's just your starting point. Be not dismayed, whatever be tied. God will take care of you. God's going to give you the strength. God's going to give you the courage to unlock the door and come out of the house. What has your doors locked? What have you stuck in the same place? It's just your starting point. Do not judge it as good or bad. Don't judge it as right or wrong. It is just where you are. And it's the place where Jesus will show up. It happened twice in the text. It happened twice in this text. Both times, the disciples are in the same house behind the same locked doors, and Jesus shows up. He stands in the midst of them. The walls and the locked doors of their house could not keep Jesus out. You can't keep him out. Hallelujah. You belong to him. We are our heavenly father's children. He cares about us. He loves us. He's a compassionate Lord and Savior. He steps into the midst of our house through the locked doors, and he breathes peace and life into us. He breathes peace and hope into us. He breathes peace and strength into us. And that breath of peace is the key that unlocks every door. So take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Take it all in. Let it feel and cheer you. Let it give you hope. Let it give you courage. Let it give you strength to unlock. And once you unlock the door, open the doors of your life and then get out of the house. 
He's risen. He's risen. The story is the story, not of the empty grave, but of his resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he was dead. Dead! I know he was speaking of physical death, but some folk are dead in their situation. Jesus is the life. Your marriage is dead. Jesus is the life. Your finances are dead. Jesus is the life. Your career is dead. Jesus, he is the life. And so last week, I told you to go home and you would see Jesus. Well, this week I'm telling you that he should have shown up by now. He should have touched you by now. (laughs) He should have revived you by now. He should have given you a peace of mind by now. Now I'm telling you, get out of the house. Open the doors. Open the doors to the story of your resurrection and get out of the house. God, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your tender mercies. Thank you for your word that you placed on my heart to share with your people here today. God, I thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that you are the life. Thank you, God, that we understand that only you can come through locked doors. You don't need a key. You don't need the alarm code. Only you can come into our locked doors and say, peace be unto you. I speak peace today in every situation of life. God, you know those that are under the sound of my voice. You know everything that they're going through. I speak peace in the name of Jesus. Give them the courage. Give them the strength to unlock the door of their life. And then when they unlock it, God help them to get out of the house and to declare your goodness, to declare your healing power, to declare your mercies, to declare that you are their strength, your very present help in the time of their troubles. You are their light and their salvation. They have no need to be afraid They have no need to fear. And we thank you and we praise you. And we magnify your great name. If there's anybody that don't know your darling son as their personal savior, God, I pray you draw them before it's too late. They cannot come unless you draw them. Draw them, God, before it's too late. In the mighty name of Jesus. Forgive us of all sin, the sin of commission, and the sin of omission. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.